I'm Kate Daniels. On an Easter spring morning, I find that one of our ideal guests for today is a local author, Steph Jagger, who brings us her latest book, Everything Left to Remember, My Mother, Our Memories, and a Journey Through the Rocky Mountains. This book is wisdom, comfort, coach, and love story. Whether our mothers are still here with us, or if, as for Steph and for myself, our mothers have left this world, there's so much for us to learn and grow with and from. It's an inner journey, and yet it's also this outer journey with our larger mother, our Mother Earth. Well, I recommend reading this book, but also let's now meet Steph and gain some insights for today. Steph Jagger, good morning. Thank you so greatly for being with us today. Well, thank you for having me. I'm excited to to be in conversation with you. Well, likewise, I'm very excited about this as well. This new book, Everything Left to Remember, My Mother. <sighs> wow, it's so emotional. Um, oh. <laughs> our memories and a journey through the Rocky Mountains and... You know, it's it's a beautiful book, and mm. I think emotions, you know, when we think about our mothers, because I've lost my mother, you yeah. have done that as well, and mm. uh, entwined in that, of course, is um, something around the word memories, right? And thinking about oh, dementia wow. and Alzheimer's, mm-hmm. which is all wrapped mm-hmm. up in this book, and that's why yeah. I think it's such an amazing book, Steph, and I'm so grateful to you for having written it and uh, shared your experiences with us. So I think, you know, it gives us an opportunity to begin to look at our own, correct? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you know, it's such an interesting thing that you have, you know, really started with, which is, you know, we have these, this just kind of depth of emotion around, um, around loss, around memory, around our mothers, around what we um, were able to receive from them around what we weren't able to receive from them or what they weren't able to offer to us. And I, I just think it's a, it's an extraordinarily complex um, relationship. And I really felt compelled to, as best as I knew how, even within the loss, even within the excruciating kind of path of Alzheimer's and dementia, I really, I really wanted to write a love story. Like, I don't think mm. I knew that as when I set out, but I feel that's what's at the heartbeat of this of this book. Um, so I'm I'm glad to be starting the conversation with that and calling it a love story. Absolutely, mm-hmm. and love is not like this many splendored thing that has no you know depths to it, which can be painful and hurt can exist. So I think, yeah, you know, it's, it's that complicated ball of, of stories and life that's all uh, mixed together here. And, um, and the emotions play into it because, and I, and I've grown to feel that it's, it's just okay to have these emotions and, and to Mm. let them be right. Oh, absolutely. I mean, when I talk, I, I'm, I'm so glad that you said that because when I talk about love, like it's really easy for us to just think of love as this ooey gooey romantic thing, right? That maybe we get, maybe we don't, we cross our fingers for sometimes. <laughs> and and I, I actually think inside of many different relationships, whether that's siblings, whether that's aunts and uncles, whether that's our partner or our best friend or our mother or even ourselves, I think when I talk about writing a love story, I'm talking about writing about, you know, what is the 
the, the largest container, what is the largest kind of capacity that I have for the totality of this to come through? I'm really writing about, you know, two people inviting, being able to invite the totality of themselves to, to the table. So do I have the largeness? Do I have the capacity to invite the whole story to come through? And of course, of course, the whole story includes our emotional body, which has anger in it, which has disappointment in it, which has love and honoring and grace within it. So that's really what I, what I mean by a love story is, am I able to tell the totality of the truth that I see that exists between these two people, between myself and my mother in the instance of this story? And yes, so that we realize that all of that is present and that when some of these, what we might label as negative emotions, that's all part of it and something, they're like signal posts and something to learn from and grow from. Absolutely. I mean, to me, the the definition of emotions that I work with is, is emotions, energy in motion in my body. Emotions start as a sensation inside of our bodies. And then we have terminology, we have names and labels for what those sensations are. And some of them are, are big and wildly uncomfortable for us to feel. But I, I think if we're able to sit with the idea that this is simply energy in motion and allow it to move and give it language, like it doesn't have to stay stuck or stagnant, stagnant or, you know, kind of end up stuffed somewhere inside of us. And so it feels as though this is some of the foundation or the basis from which you are a coach and a mentor. Uh, am I on the right path with that, that thought? You are. Yes, you are absolutely <laughs> on the right path. I mean, I think as a, as a little one that didn't necessarily feel like there was a real depth and breadth of access to the kind of emotional landscape. I had a lot of demonstrative kind of physical love inside of my household growing up, which provided me with an immense um, ability to tap into, you know, physical safety, which is critical for us. And, you know, there wasn't a depth necessarily of uh, emotional life. There's a lot of positivity, the positive kind of emotions. Um, But there was a lot of the missing. And I think I really craved that and starting from when I was you know in my teens probably like went on a journey to search for the language for that and and that I think led me down two different avenues it certainly led me toward writing what is the language that I can use to describe what I feel in my body and and simultaneously you know led me to coaching and mentorship to um, to be able to guide people walk alongside people teach people in some instances those same tools to use in their lives. And thus, uh, it, so just a little tangent off talking specifically about everything left to remember, but in doing that kind of work, identifying it, the writing, this is something that is also your work, coaching, but coaching writers and having writers workshops, right? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, you're you're you're, you're catching me in the midst of one glorious uh, workshop of, of that nature. And that's exactly it. I, I love to be able to move this to a translation on the page. So I, I oftentimes work with writers individually or in, or in groups to kind of find the middle ground between, you know, journaling, which is typically a mental activity, like how am I going to release the mental chatter in my mind and I'm going to put that into my journal, which is extraordinarily helpful. 
And then there's the craft and editorial side of writing, which is how do I polish something and decide if it's going to be an essay or a, or a manuscript or a poem. And there's a, there's a middle state, which is very, can be fleeting and liquid and wild in many ways. And I, and I think it involves our emotional body and our energetic body. And it's, it's actually, you know, this is where it's related to the book. I, I think my mother was attempting to teach me this without language. And I think that's my next kind of lineage-based quest is to move those teachings into language-based teachings. So that's, that typically is, is a description of what we're doing at these retreats is finding kind of the largeness of our own love stories with ourselves or with the world around us. And this the sto- love story in everything left to remember is a really such a, a beautiful, emotional, at times painful, of course, story. But it just, I, I, again, I feel it's giving us that opportunity to think about it in context of our own lives. And very specifically, around this disease of dementia and Alzheimer's because we see it happening more. Um, mm. and, and yeah, and it's frightening, but also I, th- I feel that you're giving us this lens, this opportunity to find a peace within it and an acceptance and a love. Yeah. I mean, you know, we, we've, we've been through a collective experience over the last couple of years. I think we can all, probably agree upon the fact that life, generally speaking, is frightening, <laughs> you know, all of the complexity, all of the uncertainty, and and certainly this particular experience, and when families have experiences of having a loved one diagnosed with a disease like Alzheimer's or degenerative disease of various different natures, you know, it is frightening. And I, I believe that we have the capacity to hold our fright along with uh, looking out to horizons for silver linings, for what are the things that are sitting right beside our fright. Not not to leave the fright or bypass it or not experience those emotions, but to additionally search for um, where is the joy, where is the silliness. You know, I've had a lot of moments with my mom that are, you know, we end up in fits of giggles or that are funny stories, et cetera. And, and I, I think looking for where you have paradox, where you have complexity, where you have nuance, because if you don't, inside of the fright, all you've got is fright. And that's a difficult place to live from and a difficult place to navigate this kind of long-haul journey that that is Alzheimer's and dementia um, if you've just got fright tucked in your pocket. And maybe it's because we've evolved to this place where we want to just have, you know, these just great things or quick fixes all the time. I just want this to be good all the time and to realize that that's not realistic for one thing. But so in the journey with your mother to have those moments where there's some clarity or just having those giggles and the recognition Mm. of, you know, (laughs) finding herself in this and being different than what you remembered her. I think that those are just such wonderful gifts. Oh, I, I mean, absolutely. They're, they're, they're gifts. I, I don't think I could, you know, as I said, like if I was just walking around with fright in my pocket and not, not being able to see those or capture those moments, that would be, you know, a really difficult way to walk. And, you know, there's a, there's a quote by um, Brandy Carlisle, the musician, and I, and I might get it a little bit wrong, but it's, it's something along the lines of, 
mysticism is the most practical thing in the universe. The only thing about it is that it's found smack in the middle of grief. Mm-hmm. And I think that's been such the experience that if I'm if I'm willing to actually turn toward the grief, turn toward the loss and the sadness and sorrow that's within that for me, and kind of walk as slowly as I need to into it, you know, when I get to the center point, there's usually more than just my sadness and sorrow. Mm-hmm. And so that's a that that's the gift. Those are the moments. But and it takes a willingness to do that slow walk toward, which is not something we usually want to engage in. Usually it's like, well, I'm not going to look at that. I'm going to search for the fun thing. And so I think being able to summon the courage, the resilience, and, you know, a lot of this comes from, for me, my first experiences with this was with athleticism. That's where I started as a young woman in long haul endurance. And I think that gave me the gift of, of developing a capacity to be able to sit with relative comfort inside of discomfort. And there's a lot of beauty in that place when you practice that. Um, and so that's, that's been a, a gift, certainly, that I've, that I've applied, to, applied to the journey with my mom. I certainly apply it writing. I mean, you don't write something beautiful, uh, you know, first go. You have to sit with the mediocrity that comes out on the page or the messiness or the unknown or the lack of clarity. And you have to be willing to companion it and hone it and look for where there might be some gold edges in it and move it in that direction. And I think that's a a similar skill set that I use in a multitude of different arenas in my life. And this is something that we learn through life. It's not a class that we can take and we know this. And that's why I feel in sharing the stories, in your being so open and honest in everything left to remember, this is a way to help us become more aware and find how to use this and incorporate it in our own life. You've hit the nail on the head because there isn't necessarily um, classes in this. Uh, it, it is developed through life experience. And we have art, we have music, mm. we have movies, we have books, we have very paintings, we have various different types of art forms that we say this to each other, we say, oh, I was moved by that. Mm. And so we, even if we don't have a language for it, we often have the experience of something moved me. I was beside something, I was companioning something in proximity to something, and it moved me. And I wonder if I could utilize that in my own life. And I, I really think that's what art does, including um, the, the art of, of, of writing. Yes, absolutely. Uh, yeah, that is wonderful. You're saying mm-hmm. that, bringing our attention to the fact that that's where we do have so much of life education in the art around us. Yes, yes, and that, that, that all of this is learned not through classroom, but through felt sense, the felt sense of being moved, then takes us into our kitchen We just after we receive a phone call with some you know, disastrous news about a diagnosis, and we think, gosh, what will move me now from this place of, of fright, right? Mm. And so I, I do think that this is what, what books do, and that's what I, that's what I hope that the, that the book does in the world, is to provide a sense of, of a person being both seen perhaps in their own journey in a different way or a similar way and and also to be 
to have the experience of being moved so that we can kind of anchor into the felt sense of what it is to carry through life that way. And what I feel you do for us as well in this book, Everything Left to Remember, is drawing this parallel, which of course is life, is the parallel with nature, uh, what Mm -hmm. we are doing to our planet, to nature and what we can learn and how we need to live in a harmony. We have to make those changes so we're not devastating everything around us to the extent we have. Absolutely. You know, when I think about who will hold us through this type of thing, who who will teach us, especially as I was losing my mother, and I know that not all of the listeners will have a, a maybe a positive relationship with their mothers, but but it's a similar question of who will teach me, who can hold me now, you know. And I think, you know, when I when I personally was thinking about my own mother and the loss of her, I thought, well, there's no other mother bigger than my own, uh, except that of nature. And and how could I use nature? How could I go to nature and and have that be an energy that can be a teacher about cycles, about sustainability, about endurance, about allowing things, some things to fall away. Sometimes you have to let things go and surrender and fall away, just like the leaves in the, in the fall. So um, I, I think it's one of our, our great teachers, along with, in our society, um, different spiritual places that we have, and, and also, you know, the, the, the elders that exist within our, our society in, in many ways, shapes, and forms. So I, I do find, thank you for bringing that up, because it's a very important message, and one that I'm really passionate about is, how can we consistently develop a relationship with nature that is not extractive, but in fact that is, you know, kind of teacher-pupil? <laughs> um, and certainly I think the book is an example of that. Yes. And here you live in the same area where we all do here in this beautiful Puget Sound. Yes. And, yes. and we know the beauty that exists here, that it just is, it feels incomparable. I'm sure other people in other areas of the world have the have their own sense of that beauty. But here we have so much and so much to preserve. And mm-hmm. uh, we are just guided to do that. Absolutely. I mean, I think the Pacific Northwest, specifically the Puget Sound, um, is originally, you know, this is Coast Salish land. And um, you know, this is a land of abundance. There is uh, certainly was a time, perhaps still is, where, you know, fish swim up to you and berries fall off the trees. And, you know, there there is such an abundance uh, in this, an energy of it, an actual physical um, nourishment level of abundance, but um, also an energy of it. And I think that allows us to uh, step into, you know, when, when we have our needs met in that way by nature, it allows us to then step into the world of art because we've got time to then build out uh, spiritual practices, creative practices, song, dance, art, etc. And so I, I think it's a really profound part of the world to engage in that. Yes, we are definitely uh, so blessed by being a- around all of this and just uh, really have the opportunities for for the ocean, for the mountains, and just, you know, everything in between. If we go east of the mountains, we've got deserts. So it, nature is just phenomenal here. And thinking of the yeah. mountains, you said how you had that in your youth, and you you did some remarkable things with downhill skiing. I did. I did. That was really, you know, my first, you know, no pun intended. That was my maiden voyage. That was an archetypal maiden journey in my in my 20s and early 30s. I, I did a 
world record breaking ski journey. And, and that, again, going back to what I said earlier, was really, um, I feel like a moving meditation of sorts. It was, it was, um, finding that kind of comfort within discomfort and the real kind of shift for me as a young woman from like a prowess over nature, like how could I conquer this mountain to, Oh my goodness, what is this mountain going to teach me today? Mm. Again, going back to nature then and how nature can be just this unparalleled teacher in our life. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, you know, I, I'm at a writing retreat right now. We're, we're surrounded by nature, by the madrona trees, by Penn Cove, by, you know, the, the mussels and oysters that are going to be fished right out of it. I mean, there, there's a lot for us to to learn. And, and, and that, again, goes back to, you know, do we have an ability to sit in the in, in the you know discomfort, which might include our own silence, you know, around that and practices around that. So, because, you know, that is the language of nature is that kind of silent, not silent soundscape. Mm, yes. And then we are going to transition your life. It, it You just have done so much and are doing so much. And being mm-hmm. at this writer's retreat, let's mention that there are uh, a couple to note later on in the year that could be of interest and really be calling out uh, to some of our listeners. Yeah, absolutely. So the retreat that I'm at right now is called The Nature of Narrative, and it is for writers and non-writers alike, you know, really to explore uh, an embodied sense of writing and to use writing as a tool to get closer to the, you know, inner unfolding of our world. And so that's going to be happening again uh, on Whidbey Island in uh, November of this coming year. And then there's an annual retreat that I hold um, on Bainbridge Island at one of my favorite places. Many of your listeners, I'm sure, will know Island Wood, which is a fabulous nonprofit organization um, on Bainbridge Island. And I run a retreat annually there called The Nature of Deep Remembrance. And I really mean that in the way of the ways in which we are kind of almost dismembered or sometimes feel as though we've been taken apart by life. And what are the ways that we can remember ourselves and our totality, including joy, levity, um, laughter, fun, and profundity. And so that'll be happening this August, um, and that's an annual retreat, uh, again, on, on Bainbridge Island in Washington. And to find out more details, how to register, all of that sort of thing, we can do that through your website, right, Steph? Absolutely, yeah, stephjagger.com. It's pretty pretty easy to, to find me there. Those are under... Um, kind of retreat offerings. There's also a ca- different calendar of events there. You know, I, I work and partner with multiple other organizations to do various retreats, uh, usually in the on, on the West Coast and Pacific Northwest, but that's all available on the website. Which is great, as well as more information about this wonderful book, Everything Left to Remember, and an earlier book, uh, Unbound, I think? Yes, it is. Yep. Unbound is the name of the first book. Yeah. And so Everything Left to Remember, being a new book, is also the focus of a book event coming up uh, very soon at Elliott Bay Books uh, on Tuesday, April 18th, right? That is absolutely right. I'm going to be there with another uh, another of my very close friends and authors, and, and her work, uh, her book is called Nowhere for Very Long, and uh, we're both going to be there, and it, and it really is, it's during National Parks Week, and we will be celebrating public lands and celebrating nature writing and 
I'm really excited to be working with um, Elliott Bay. It's such a gorgeous bookstore. Um, so, yeah, you're right. Absolutely. Tuesday, um, April 18th at 7 p.m. And I, I believe there's going to be registration um, put up on, on their website and my website for that event. So you can check that out on, on the website as well. Great. And that's what the, the beauty, again, of this book, Everything Left to Remember, how there is this really like a weaving of life with nature. And it, it, they're just uh, uh, just totally intricately involved with each other and being able to recognize National Parks Week because here, you know, part of your journey with your mother did happen at Yellowstone. And, and I, I just loved what you shared about the experience, both from what it meant for the two of you together, but also to have the insights of how we treat our lands. And, you know, the only 1%, 1% of the people mm-hmm. that visit the park go into the back land uh, trails and explore that way. Everybody's just kind of poking along like little ants down the roadways in the park. Yeah, I think that, you know, 1% of visitors in, in specifically in Yellowstone National Park that make it off of the boardwalks and into the back countries is a beautiful metaphor for the question of how much of ourselves will we visit you know, how much of our mental landscape, our emotional body, our physical and spiritual bodies will we, will we dare to walk through? And, and I think that's, uh, you know, coming from the surface of ourselves to some deeper place. And that takes uh, bravery and courage. You know, we're taught that that's a wild and scary place. You know, but, and what if it is the most kind of natural and actually safe and comfortable place if we just went there more often? So I think that's a beautiful metaphor for how we can be invited to live into our lives. Yes. And it just wraps right in with our discussion, our conversation about love and all of how that is in our life. And, you know, there's just so many beautiful parallels and metaphors in everything left to remember my mother, our memories, and a journey through the Rocky Mountains. This is uh, just such an incredible and important book, and I really highly recommend it for for everyone. I think it's a, a it's almost like its own kind of healing journey for each of us. Mm, I I think so, and and that's my hope is that you know anytime you put art out into the world, it it, it ceases to become yours. You know, I, I hope that readers are able to take it and you know, go on their own journey with it in whatever way, shape, and form that that takes. And along those lines, so we mentioned that there is the book event coming up at Elliott Bay Books uh, shortly here in April, but also May is not that far away, Mother's Day. I think this can be just a beautiful gift for so many different people in our life and really, you know, extend that healing and that opportunity through a gift, through art, through a story. Absolutely. I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think it makes a great National Parks Week gift, a Mother's Day gift, and um, June is, is um, Brain and Alzheimer's Awareness Month. I think all of those are, are fitting for the themes in this book. See how far it extends, right, Steph? Um, That's right. Yes, it's so beautiful, and and so are you. You are just this refreshing breath of life for us to really uh, connect with and and learn from. And I so appreciate that you 
take these journeys so much to heart and then want to express your experience so that we can all learn. This is exactly, exactly what we've been talking about at this writing retreat all weekend is do we have the courage to step into life in such a way that it drenches us, Mm. you know, and then when it comes time to come in from from the rain, from the wet, from the drenching, do we have the courage to kind of drop by drop, let that turn into, you know, our own medicine in many ways. Mm, isn't it beautiful? Again, there's, your language, your sharing just really is like medicine for each of us. Mm, mm, thank you. Well, thank you. I am just so grateful. Uh, for you and that we've had this opportunity this morning to share with others. Uh, it is truly such a gift. No, oh, And thank you for holding just a, a beautifully expansive container for this conversation. I appreciate that. And I'm grateful to you. Well, you're so welcome.